0: It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 222. By the way, that's binary 11011110. For December 19th, recorded on December 17th, 2010. I mentioned recently that I've been converting 8mm videos to DVD and that these will be Christmas presents this year. Maybe you're thinking of doing the same thing and you're wondering if DVD is the right format to choose. If you're asking that question, let me tell you, it's a very good question. A common problem, and one that can sneak up on us, is changing formats. I have some reel-to-reel audio recordings. Some are half-track, some are full-track, a few are four-track stereo but I can't listen to them. That's because I don't have a reel-to-reel recorder, at least not one that works, and neither does just about anybody else. I also have some 78 RPM records. There is a turntable in my house, a good one in fact, but no current audio gear has a turntable input. The audio level is so low that I'll need to install a preamp if I ever want to use it, and I bought a couple of $100 broadcast quality preamps a few years ago, a couple because you need one for each channel, But even then, the audio quality is so poor that it's barely usable. That's the usual story with media. If you're old enough, maybe you bought 45 RPM records and albums. You might have replaced those albums with cassettes. You might have replaced the cassettes with CDs. Now some oldies are being released on enhanced CDs. Or maybe you bought a digital version from one of the online sellers. Did you buy movies on VHS tape? Then... Buy them again on DVD, and maybe buy them once more as streaming video? Well, that's fine if you have a budget to keep buying new copies of your favorite commercial media, but what can you do with personal media? I also have some Super 8 movies that I could have somebody convert to video. The quality will be disappointing, but at least I'll have something, so I'll probably do that. And we have some 16mm movies that date back to the 1950s. I'm not sure I'll be able to find anybody to convert those. So, wondering if DVD is the final solution to archiving your home videos is a reasonable question. The answer is, of course not. Something will replace DVDs. But the DVD, or Blu-ray format, either one, is probably the best stopgap solution right now. DVD players and DVD drives in computers can reasonably be expected to survive for at least the next 5 to 10 years. These formats are higher in quality than any of the formats that involve tape, so converting to DVD is, in my opinion, the only logical choice. But you need to watch for changes. Something will replace those DVDs, and when it becomes clear what that something will be, you'll need to once again convert from one format to another that new format, whatever it is, will certainly be digital. DVDs are a digital format, so unlike converting from VHS to 8mm video, converting from DVD to whatever replaces the DVD won't have much of a quality cost associated with it. Whatever quality you encode on your DVDs will be available to the next generation, whatever that next generation is. That means you might want to retain all of your files in AVI format. I've decided not to do that because AVI files are huge. For home videos, the MPEG-4 format is adequate because, and I have to point out I'm guessing here, whatever replaces DVDs will not further degrade the quality of the images. That may be a guess, but I think it's a safe one. In some cases, the best you can get isn't very good. One of my DVDs came from a local access channel, which started out as low-quality. It was a broadcast of a program from the Fort Hayes Metropolitan Education Center in the late 1990s. I didn't have access to the channel, so a friend recorded it on VHS tape. That lowered the quality even more. I converted it to 8mm videotape technically better quality but it ended up being worse because of the analog loss that's normal when converting formats so the final dvd quality is lousy but my choice was between lousy or nothing and in that case lousy wins so the best news is that even lossy digital formats such as mp3 for audio or mp4 for video are far better than the full quality analog systems that they've replaced Not too long ago, I bought a Kindle. I've explained previously that I sincerely dislike Amazon's policy, the policy that makes it difficult to read library books on the Kindle. There are ways around this, but it's annoying nonetheless. But the Kindle, Barnes & Noble's Nook, and a handful of other electronic readers, might just save civilization as we know it. You recognize the hyperbole, of course, but my reading habits have changed greatly. I do read quite a bit, but my reading has been limited to technical books and articles for the past several years, very little fiction and nonfiction. That's changed. For example, I found a library book that was a critical analysis of the diary of Anne Frank. Then I realized that I'd never read the book itself, so I purchased the diary of Anne Frank from Amazon and spent most of a weekend reading it. What I thought would be a handy way to carry around technical references has turned out to be much more than that. It's true that I can carry around reference manuals for hardware and software, along with manuals for cameras that I use and the Tascam digital audio recorder that travels with me, but the Kindle also has fiction and non-fiction books on it, from Freakonomics and Where Good Ideas Come From, to The Red Badge of Courage, Spy Killer, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I have access to whatever I want to read, whenever I have time to read. So maybe all of our concerns about becoming a post-literate society won't come to pass after all. As you may know from my semi-regular harping on the issue, my little section of Worthington, where electricity is provided by American Electric Power, has service that's about as reliable as what one might reasonably expect to find in rural Uzbekistan. The threat of losing power is worse on days with severe weather. Severe calm, severe lack of wind, severely normal temperatures. You know, days like that. When the lights go out, the cable modem goes out. When power is out for several days, I can visit a location where Wi-Fi is available, but routine outages that last four hours or less leave me disconnected from the Internet. Most of the time, this isn't a serious problem, but sometimes I'm expecting an important message. Then it would be nice to have a backup of some sort. Maybe a dial-up account somewhere. This won't work with my desktop computer. It needs electricity to run, of course, and my UPS unit provides just enough power to shut the computer down in an orderly fashion. And besides, it doesn't even have a built-in modem. But what about the notebook computer? It could run for several hours on its batteries, and it of course does have a modem. Some cable companies provide dial-up services that their customers can use. This is mainly intended for use when a subscriber is away from home, but they can be used locally, too, if cable service isn't available. Wide Open West has dial-up numbers, but I'd never bothered to make a note of the numbers. Time Warner recently discontinued its dial-up service. If your broadband service doesn't offer a dial-up option, now would be a really good time to visit NetZero or Juno to obtain local dial-up numbers that you can use. NetZero has plans that are free, and others that cost $10 a month. Juno has free plans and plans that cost $11 a month. Both are owned by the same company. You should be able to dial in and download what you need to get started, but if that's not the case, if you find yourself really stuck, check stores such as Kmart and Best Buy for starter discs. <phone rings> In short circuits, if you're old enough to remember when NORAD tracked Santa, you were probably also around when dirt was invented. The North American Aerospace Defense Command, NORAD, was founded in May of 1958. It provides aerospace warning, air sovereignty, and defense for the U.S. and Canada. In an effort to put a friendly face on NORAD, the agency released tapes every December for use by radio stations. There was always an unidentified flight, jets were scrambled, and of course it just turned out to be Santa. Well, now Google is getting into the act. You can visit a special Google Voice website, and from there you can have Santa call your friends. Google is using the service to raise awareness of Google Voice. To use it, you'll need to provide information about who spoke with Santa, about the recipient, and the recipient. The messages are both clever and inventive. Here's a message from Santa for one of my daughters. Ho, ho, ho! Hello! This is Santa Claus. I just spoke with your cat. He told me you have been a very good artist and that this year you would like some peace and quiet. Well, my first stop is your house in cyberspace. So don't forget to leave me some baba ganoush and be sure to go to bed early so I can bring you a surprise. But no peeking. All right, hipster, Santa has to go pack up the sleigh with presents and pick up Mrs. Claus from Pilates. Later, alligator! You might be wondering what's in the plans for next year for TechBiter Worldwide. Well, in January, I'll be talking with some librarians. Among the topics we'll touch on are digital books, changes in libraries over the past decade, where things are headed, Wi-Fi access, censorship, and more. To record the interview, I purchased a digital audio recorder to replace an aging digital voice recorder. The old digital voice recorder provided, at best, telephone quality. But the new Tascam DR07 portable digital recorder can record WAV files instead of MP3 files, and so studio quality on location is no longer just a wish. That's sure to be a topic early in the year. The ability to record 16-bit, 48K sampling rate audio on a sub-$100 device is simply mind-boggling. And for Christmas this year, I purchased a couple of digital cameras in the $100 price range. A decade ago, manufacturers said that they would be able to put forth a $100 digital camera before 2010, but that they would be low-end devices with CMOS sensors and resolutions around 1 megapixel. They were right about CMOS technology, which has turned out to be far more robust than expected in 2001 but they missed a bit on specifications for that $100 camera. It's now easy to find a 10 and 12 megapixel camera in the $100 range. Professional gear still hasn't dropped much below $1,000 and can easily approach $5,000 or even $40,000. But for most of us, digital cameras in the sub-$500 range are far more than enough. As is usually the case, I'll be taking Christmas week and New Year's week off, so the next program will be January 10th, 2011. If you celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, Joyous Kwanzaa. If you celebrate the winter solstice, have a peaceful solstice. Other festivals that are celebrated this time of year are known as Bodhi Day, Panchaganopti, aha Yule, New Year's, Yalda, Saturnalia, Boxing Day, and more. Lots of them. Happy Holidays, and peace. Oh, and by the way, although TechBiter Worldwide is on holiday for the next two weeks, I do plan to send emails updated with links to the site each week. One will be a resource that could provide several hours of enjoyable browsing, and the other will include some links to useful free products you can use. The next full program will be in January. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.